Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. No! by Leora Friedland at Bookdash. No, Cece, it's time to stop playing. Please come inside. No! No, Cece, we need to go to the shops. No! Look at these beautiful butterflies. No! Come help Mama make some rice. No! Let's feed shakes. No! No, Cece, it's bath time. No! No, no, no. No! No, 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 no. How about an ice cream? No! Oh, not no. Yes! Yummy, yummy. Yay! 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 No, Cece, will you tidy your room? Hmm, well, okay. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. Clever Pig by Natalie Koenig at Bookdash Come pig, let's play. Can you find the carrot? No, it's not under there. No, it's not inside. Clever pig. Wake up pig, come out and play. Where is she? Pig is gone. The sun came up and the sun went down, but no pig. I miss my friend. My pig, clever pig. And one, two, three new friends. Come pigs, let's play. Time for bed. Good night pigs. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. That by Sanjana Kapoor at Storyweaver. Good night, dear. Good night, Tara. Dada turns off the lights. Swish. What was that? Tara looks at dear. Dear looks at Tara. Clunk off. Monster. Dear and Tara hide under their blanket. What are we going to do? Says dear. Let's scare it away, Tara says. With a monster of our own, says Dia, the Scarfinator, who has a football head. Yeah, you! I think we scared it, Tara says. Oh no, it's getting up. Dia hides. Quick, get your sheet, Dia says. We'll make a sheet of saw. Where's the torch, Tara asks. Dia points at the streetlight. Flump, flump. Shrimpoof. And I'll use my torch to make a chair a cabra with my raincoat, Dia says. Two monsters should scare it away, Tara says. Move the torch closer. We'll make the chair a cabra bigger. Clish, creak. Tara waves her hands under the sheet. What are you both doing, Dada says. You are the monster, Tara and Dia yell. What monster? Ha ha! Hoo! They all laugh and make shadow monsters. Shadow watching. 
When light shines on a solid object, it creates a dark shape behind it. The dark shape is called a shadow. Shadows change based on the light. If the light is close to the object, the shadow is bigger. If the light is far away, the shadow is smaller. The same object can cast two shadows if you shine more than one light on it. Different objects make different kinds of shadows. Try making shadows using objects made of different things. Shine a torch on a glass of water, a book or a net, and look at how the shadows change. The end. Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Zanili Sees Numbers by Laura Delange at Bookdash Everyone tells Zanili that numbers are all around her. But no matter how hard she tries, she can't see them. Zanili asks Gogo to help her see some numbers. Gogo points to the jars on the shelf and counts. One, two, three, four. But Zanili is unhappy. Those aren't numbers, those are jars. Zanili asks Mum to help her see some numbers. Mum points to the carrots in the garden and counts. One, two, three, four. But Zanili is unhappy. Those aren't numbers, those are carrots. Zanili sees Linda counting the chickens to see if they have all come back home. But Zanili is unhappy. Those aren't numbers. Those are chickens. Zanili sees Auntie counting the hours until supper. But Zanili is unhappy. Those aren't numbers. Those are hours. Zanili can't see the numbers in the world. She goes to speak to her sister, Gugu, who is eight years old and knows everything. If you look at anything in the right way, you can see a number in it, says Gugu. Gugu gives Zanili a pair of magic glasses and tells her to go look for numbers in the world. One, two, three, four, five. The end. Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Memanio's Pumpkin by Marion Drew at Storyweaver. One day, Memanio planted a pumpkin seed. It grew into a very big pumpkin. The pumpkin blocked her garden path. Memanio wanted to move the pumpkin. She went to her neighbour. Memapalesa, please help me to move my pumpkin. It is blocking my path, said Memanio. The two ladies pushed and pushed, but that pumpkin did not move. They went to Mimacello. Please help us move Memanio's pumpkin, they asked. Mimacello came to help them. The three ladies pushed and pushed that pumpkin, but still it did not move. I don't know what to do, said Memanio. Just then a little worm came into Memanio's garden. It was hungry. It nibbled the big pumpkin. Stop, said the pumpkin. But the little worm nibbled again. Stop, you are tickling me, said the pumpkin. I do not like it. And the pumpkin rolled away down the hill. The pumpkin stopped in a field at the bottom of the hill. Two shepherds found it. What shall we do with this pumpkin, they asked. Let's eat it, they said. It looks delicious. The shepherds took a big stone and tried to break open the pumpkin. No, cried the pumpkin. The shepherds jumped back. The pumpkin began to open. Out of the pumpkin came a Malloy. She had one arm, one eye and one leg. She looked terrible. Don't disturb me, said the Malloy in a big voice. 
I am the pumpkin chief. The pumpkin closed again. The shepherds were very frightened. They ran home to tell their parents. Oh, we're so lucky, said their parents. Don't you know about the pumpkin, Malloy? It is a very special pumpkin, said the shepherd's parents. You must leave it alone. Next summer, the pumpkin will open again and the Malloy will scatter pumpkin seeds all over our villages. We will have many, many pumpkins to eat, said the shepherd's parents. And so it happened that the next summer, Mimanio's pumpkin burst open. It was full of many, many seeds. Out came the pumpkin Malloy. With her one leg, she climbed out of the pumpkin. With her one eye, she looked across all the villages. With her one arm, she threw all those seeds across the valley. The seeds grew into beautiful big pumpkins in all the gardens in the valley. That winter, everyone in the village had lots of pumpkins to eat. They went to Mamanio. Thank you, Mamanio, they called. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. Hugs in the City by Millie Bruyard at Bookdash. My name is Jilly. Today, I hugged most of the cats in town. I hugged the neighbour's cat, Ben. Ben said, Meow? Meow? I hugged the old cat who lives under the park bench. He squiggled and he wriggled. I hugged Mrs Lily's tubby ginger cat. He licked my face. Slurp, 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 slurp. I hugged the cat who eats outside the fish and chip shop. He went om nom nom. I even hugged the grumpy cat who doesn't like hugs. He yowled and yowled. Yow! I hugged a long cat. I hugged a short cat. I hugged an old cat. I hugged a young cat. I hugged a mummy cat. And every kitten she had. I tried to hug the big cats at the zoo. But the zookeeper said no! I climbed on the bus and hugged the cat that was hiding in an old lady's bag. The old lady shrieked. Shriek! I went home and got into bed. Yawn! Some furry things snuck in and hugged me. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. The Things That Really Matter by Refalo Moaloli at Bugdash We are going on a trip. I ask Mama what to pack. She says, the things that really matter. We stop at the windmill for breakfast. The jungle gym is so much fun. I forget my toy. I am sad in the car, but Tando is happy. Hooray, now you can play with me, he says. We stop at a farm to see some animals. Tando is searching so hard for a springbok. A monkey gets away with his headphones. He is sad in the car, but I am happy. Hooray, now you can sing with me, I say. We stop at a roaring waterfall. We are so excited, we are pushing and pulling. Papa falls in the water, and so does his map. He is sad in the car, but Mama is happy. Hooray! Now I can help you find our way, she says. We stop at the roadside vendor to buy some mielis. Mama bends over to pick the best ones, and her glasses fall and break. 
Mama is sad in the car, but Papa is happy. Hooray! Now we can find our way together, Papa says. We stop on an ancient hill to get a view of the valley. Papa is making silly jokes for us to smile for the picture. But when we get back to the car, it won't start. Everyone stops laughing. Don't worry, says Mama. We can still have a good time. We are the things that really matter. And so we do have a good time by playing and singing and finding our way together while enjoying the best mielis. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Incredible Insects, a counting book by Sheena Devaya at Storyweaver. One grasshopper. Two butterflies. Three leaf insects. Four dragonflies. Five moths. Six red cotton stainers. Seven bumblebees. Eight jewel bugs. Nine fireflies. Ten ladybirds. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Sister, sister, where does the sun go at night? By Rupee Pie at Storyweaver. Sister, sister, I wonder... What do you wonder, little brother? What do you wonder? I wonder, I wonder where the sun goes at night. Where do you think, little brother? Where do you think? I think, I think. Tell me, little brother, what do you think? I think that maybe a demon, the terrible black demon of darkness, eats up the sun each night for dinner. See how the blue sky at sunset is stained red with his blood? But the sun, the glorious, brave, shining, golden sun, he fights the darkness demon all night, every night, and by morning he's whole again and back to rule. That's where I think the sun goes at night, into the mouth of a monster after a terrible fight. I'm clever, aren't I, sister? Oh, yes, you are, little brother. Oh, yes, you are. And maybe you are right too. But in the books that I have read, that is not what they said. Then what did they say, sister? What did they say? What do you think, little brother? What do you think? I think... I think... Tell me, little brother, what do you think? I think that maybe, while it is night here on Earth, it is a glorious day in the ocean's darkest depths and the mermaids come dancing out of their undersea caves to frolic with the sharks. We have seen it ourselves when we went to Mumbai last summer. Remember how the sun lets go of the sky each evening at dusk and slides soundlessly into the sea? That's where I think the sun goes at night, to flood the underwater with golden light. I'm clever, aren't I, sister? Of course you are, little brother, of course you are. And maybe you are right, too. But in the books that I have read, that is not what they said. Then what did they say, sister? What did they say? What do you think, little brother? What do you think? I think... I think... Tell me, little brother, what do you think? I think that maybe there is no mystery. That maybe the son is just like father. He goes home tired each night after a long day at work. 
and his wife, like mother, fusses over him, shushes the kids, covers him with a night-dark blanket of stars and hopes his snoring will not keep her awake all night. And every morning, the sun shrugs off his star blanket, paints the dawn sky red with his sleepy eyes and gets back to work. That's where I think the sun goes at night, home to bed until it is light. I'm clever, aren't I, sister? I know you are, little brother, I know you are, and maybe you're right too. But in the books that I have read, that is not what they said. Then what did they say, sister? What did they say? Come here, little brother, I'll tell you what they said. They said... They said... Tell me, sister, what did they say? They said that the earth is like a ball, that the ball goes around the sun, spinning like the red top mother got you from the Saturday market, but slower. And they said every spin of the earth is as long as a day and a night. I asked about the sun, sister. I asked about the sun. I am coming to that, little brother. Be patient now. They said when our part of the earth, the half where we live, is turned towards the sun, we have day. And when the other half is turned towards sun, and ours is turned away, we have night. They said that's where the sun goes at night, to bathe the other half in glorious light. Can it be true, sister? Can it be true? I can't say, little brother, I can't say. But in all the books that I have read, that is what they said. Find out more. Where does the sun go at night? The Earth is a sphere that revolves around the sun, along with the seven other planets of the solar system. One revolution of the Earth around the sun takes one calendar year. While it is going around the sun, the Earth also spins on its own axis. Each spin takes 24 hours, that is, a day and a night. Whichever part of the Earth is facing the sun has day. At the same time, the other half of the Earth, the part turned away from the sun, has night. Then the Earth slowly spins around and the half that was in the darkness, that is, the half that was turned away from the sun, now faces the sun. So this half has day and the other half, which turned away from the sun, has night. So in reality, the sun does not really go anywhere at night. The End Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com Free stories for kids.
Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Sticky Brains by Dr. Nicole Livin. Aria was feeling bad, really bad. She didn't feel like playing at all, even though her best friend Zara had come over. What's wrong, Aria? asked Zara. This was the worst week ever. Everything was awful. Wow, Zara said, what happened? Aria started to explain, getting madder and madder as she talked. She felt like her head was going to burst. On Monday, I broke my new laces. On Tuesday, I fell off my bike. On Wednesday, I made a mess of my favourite shirt. On Thursday, I brought my new race car in for show and tell, but Max had the same car and he showed everyone before I got to. On Friday, my mum worked late, so I had to stay at school for an extra hour. My whole week was bad. Zara looked puzzled. Wait, I was with you for most of that. You broke your laces on Monday, but you also got new shoes with lightning bolts on them. You fell off your bike on Tuesday because you were trying to ride with no hands. And you did it. You dropped ice cream on your shirt on Wednesday, but your dad said you could clean it. On Thursday, you and Max were playing together with your cars all recess. Even the big kids watched. And I thought your mum worked late Friday so she could take you camping over the weekend. See, the week wasn't all bad. Yeah, I guess. I have to go now. See you later. Aria was feeling confused. She went into the house and found her mum. Mum, I think there's something wrong with me. I only remember the bad stuff that happens. It makes me feel like I'm bad too. Her mum gave her a hug. Oh, sweetheart, that sounds very frustrating. And can I tell you a secret? Sure. I sometimes feel that way too. Really? Yes, so does your dad. Almost everyone feels like that some of the time. Her mum started to explain. A long, long time ago, people really needed to watch out for scary things. If they didn't notice a mean tiger, they could be in danger. But if they missed the good stuff, like a juicy orange or a beautiful sunset, they would still be okay. So our brains learned to focus on the bad stuff because that's what helped us to stay safe. But bad thoughts are like glue. They stick to us, even if we don't want them to. This can make us feel like everything is bad or even that we're bad too. So bad thoughts are stickier than good ones, asked Aria. Yes, her mum replied. The stuff we think is bad, scary or sad is really sticky. Our brains see it more and remember it longer. So it's not just you who sees the bad more than the good. Everyone gets stuck sometimes. Well, I don't want to be stuck, yelled Aria. Her mum smiled, but there's really good news too. First, we don't have to get mad at ourselves if we feel sad or if we get stuck on the bad stuff. We can do something about it. We can actually change our brains to let go of the bad and see more of the good. The more we practice, the stronger our brains will be. Do you remember when you were just learning to ride your bike? Aria nodded. It was really hard at first. I fell a bunch of times. But the more you did it, the easier it got, right? Aria nodded again. Yeah, I'm awesome at it now. Our brains work the same way. They get good at what they practice. So we can change our brains to see bad things in a new way? Yes, her mum replied. Instead of getting stuck, we can choose what we want to notice. Aria started to think about this. If I practice, it would help me to see that things aren't all bad. My brain was showing me only part of the picture. Her mum smiled again. Right, and we can teach our brains to see more of the good stuff more of the time. Why don't we try it now? When something good happens, let's help the feeling stick. First, we can take a few deep breaths. Now, let's find something that makes us feel good. It can be something big like a beautiful rainbow, or getting a birthday present, or even something small like a cool sip of water. Let's pay attention to how the good things make us feel inside. 
then we can soak in the good feelings. Wow, said Aria, it's pretty easy to change my brain. So remember, even when everything feels awful, you can train your brain to stick less to the bad and notice more of the good. You just need to practice it until it sticks. The next week, Aria and Zara were walking to school. All of a sudden, Aria tripped and fell. Uh-oh, said Zara. Is this another horrible week? Aria felt her face getting hot. She started to get mad again. But then she remembered her brain-changing powers. She took a deep breath and decided to feel the warm sun on her face. It worked. She felt better. Well, I got in trouble for not cleaning my room. I lost my pony sunglasses and my unicorn shirt ripped, she said. But I also got to play outside, climb trees and help my dad bake bread. Then she smiled and thought to herself, I wonder how I will change my brain next week. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Choo Choo Manthu's Jar of Toffees by Adithi Rao at Storyweaver. Choo Choo Manthu, look! Choo Choo Manthu turns to where Preet is pointing. She quickly eats up the chips on his plate. He always falls for this trick. Choo Choo is the pet name Preet has given him. Manthu means big uncle in Konkani. Choo Choo Manthu is the kindest person in Preet's world. He is also her best friend. One day, Preet sees Choo Choo Manthu scoop handfuls of toffees from a jar and drop them from his bedroom window. She watches in amazement as he ducks under the windowsill, chuckling to himself. Cries of delight float up from the street. At the end of the lane is a school. When the lunch bell rings, Choo Choo Manthu secretly drops toffees down to the schoolchildren as they pass under his window. After lunch, Choo Choo Manthu walks back to his office with his briefcase. When he passes the children playing, he doesn't look at them. So, the children never guess that the hand that sends them toffees every day belongs to this thin, solemn man dressed in white. But one day, Choo Choo Manthu has a dreadful pain in his stomach. As he's taken to the hospital, he presses Preet's hand one last time. Now, Preet sits in Choo Choo Manthu's empty room. His yoga mat is on the floor. She remembers that long ago day when she had walked in and found a pair of long, pyjama-clad legs poking into the air. Help! Preet had yelled. Choo Choo Manthu is ultapulta! Amma and Marvi had rushed into the room and burst out laughing. He's not Ultapulta, Amma said. He's doing yoga, Marvi said. Goga, repeated Preeta. She had watched with wondering eyes as Choo Choo Manthu lifted his body on the palms of his hands like a bird about to fly away. Preet blinks. Nobody can feel the Choo Choo Manthu shaped hole in her heart. Where is Choo Choo Manthu? Where is his kindness? wonders Preet. She looks under the yoga mat. She searches through his bedside drawer. She goes across to his cupboard and opens it. Oops! A white shirt tumbles out onto Preet's head. Choo Choo Manthu had two white shirts and two white pants. He had worn them both in turns every day. Now there is only one white shirt and one white pant left in the cupboard, neatly ironed. Preet carefully folds the shirt and puts it back on the shelf. And that's when she finds Choo Choo Manthu's jar of toffees. Preet's tears drop silently into it. A bell rings in the distance. It is lunchtime at the school. Soon, the children will pass under Choo Choo Manthu's window. But there's no one to give them toffees now. Yes, there is. Preet jumps up. She scoops handfuls of toffees from the jar and drops them from the window. Preet ducks under the windowsill, chuckling happily to herself. Cries of delight float up from the street. The End <laughs>
Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Alpha Pets A funny poem written and illustrated by Sue Clancy Alfred loves living on a farm Boo rarely causes any harm Coco dreams of milkshakes galore Dabney bursts through every door Everett often warbles with glee Farley is so easy to please Gingerbread loves days when it's snowed. Henry is sure he's cracked the code. Ivan refrains from eating the shoe. Joe remembers the things that he knew. Cameron eats eggs from the carton. Liam looks nice in his tartan. Maxine masters walking the beam. Nan enjoys cheering the team. Olive has a mysterious mystique. Pia loves long runs by the creek. Quincy is rarely upset. Rufus requests a three-egg omelette. Snickerson eats all the whitefish. Tippy, age two, is still kittenish. Oodle grabs steaks right off the hob. Violet hopes for corn on the cob. Winston exudes a certain noblesse. Xavier's in love with Jolly Joe Beth. Yolanda has a good attitude. Zoe says, we're done. Let's go get some food. The end. Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. A House for Mouse by Michelle Fry at Bookdash. Mouse was looking for a new house. This looks like a nice house. You can come and sleep with me, said Puppy. Thank you, said Mouse. That night, Mouse's dreams were bouncy and muddy. You can come and sleep with me, said Parrot. Thank you, said Mouse. That night, Mouse's dreams were noisy and wild. You can come and sleep with me, said Fish. Thank you, said Mouse. That night, Mouse's dreams were cold and wet. Mouse needed somewhere warm and dry. Mouse found a bookshelf nearby. That night, Mouse had warm and cosy dreams. Good night, Mouse. The end. Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Our Beautiful World by Bibek Bhattacharya at Storyweaver. We live in a beautiful world, a world filled with wonders, a world of soaring mountains, of deep oceans, a world teeming with life and joy. It is a world we call home. Here we reign supreme, we design new technological miracles, we shoot for the stars, we build amazing things, we study the world, the universe, 
We try to make our lives easier and easier and easier with new gadgets that aim to make everything better. Easier, yes, but is it better? Our home is paying a terrible price. We're changing the earth, killing birds and animals with whom we share this planet, endangering our fellow humans. The world is becoming a desert. Oceans are rising, glaciers are melting, crops are failing. The heat is rising. There is a monster that haunts Earth. It is called climate change. Humans are its creator. This is the story of how we made it. It is a story of how we betrayed our home, Earth. About 12,000 years ago, the Earth entered a new geological epoch called the Holocene. It was paradise. This is when the gigantic sheets of ice that covered much of the Northern Hemisphere and large parts of the Southern Hemisphere retreated towards the North and South Poles and the world entered a new era of plenty. New forests grew and life flourished. The world's climate became warmer and then stabilised. Ever since then, for about the last 11,000 years, the Earth's climate has been stable and calm. Humans have been around for about 200,000 years. But before the Holocene, we never had it this good. In the past 11,000 years, we have thrived. We discovered agriculture. We settled down in villages and towns. We created art and built grand civilizations. The pyramids of Giza, the cities of the Indus Valley Civilization, the Mayan Empire and the Roman Empire all happened during the Holocene. This was all possible because of widespread agriculture and trade. We grew crops, we made things, we exchanged them with each other, we grew prosperous. Our ancestors started clearing forests to grow more crops and slowly their footprint expanded. Even then much of Europe, North America and India were covered in thick forests. It all happened very slowly over thousands of years. The effect of human beings on the environment was still very small. The Earth still had enough resources to replenish what was depleted. But as the centuries went by, we started using up the Earth's resources faster and faster. By around 500 years ago, Europe's ancient forests were mostly gone, and even in other parts of the world, forests were in retreat. Humans have always used the Earth's resources, be it trees, minerals like iron, or animals for domestication and food. We have always wanted the planet to give us more. Then, about 250 years ago, something happened. The Industrial Age, the age of machines. Until then, we had mostly used handheld tools for work. As a result, there was only so much damage we could do but with machines, we could do anything. For the first time, we started using machines like the power loom and the steam engine to mass produce goods for trade. We burned fossil fuels like coal and oil to power machines to do our work for us. Every aspect of our lives today comes from the industrial revolution. Cars, planes, mobile phones, space flight, computers, it all began 250 years ago. But while this lit the fire of human progress, it also unleashed its dark shadow, climate change. The Earth is very old, over four billion years old. Life on Earth began more than three billion years ago. How do we know? Because that is when the oldest fossils are from. What are fossils? The planet has been home to a dizzying variety of plants and animals. All trees and creatures, including humans, are primarily made of carbon. As they die and as the continents shift, their remains go back into the earth where they lie. Over thousands of years they return to forms of carbon, coal, gas, oil. This is how the earth's fossils deposits are created. When we started digging up the coal and oil to burn them and power our machines, we gave rise to fossil fuels. That has been the basis of our modern prosperity. For nearly everything we do, we burn coal and oil. We dig into the bowels of the earth, we mine the coal, we extract the petroleum, we burn it. We live our lives, but we have dug so much and burnt so much 
that we have upset the balance of the Holocene. The more coal and oil we burn, the more carbon dioxide we release. This gets stored in the atmosphere. The carbon dioxide traps the sun's heat and the world grows hotter. The world is becoming an oven and the heat is changing the climate. The earth is slowly becoming unlivable. It is now 1.2 degrees Celsius, hotter than 200 years ago. If we continue like this, by 2050, the world will be 2.4 degrees Celsius, hotter. If that happens, the sea levels will rise. Cities like Mumbai and Kolkata might be deserted. Himalayan glaciers will start vanishing. Rivers like the Ganga and the Brahmaputra will be flooding all the time. And when the glaciers vanish, the rivers will dry up. Heat waves will make it impossible to go out during the day. Even indoors, people will suffer. Super cyclones will rise out of the sea and hit India every year. Drinking water will be harder and harder to get. The Arctic Circle and Greenland will lose all their ice. Forests will burn every year. From the deepest jungles to the highest mountains, animals will starve. Epics and pandemics like COVID-19 might become more common. It is a scary future for the whole world. Yet, there is hope. We don't need to keep burning coal and oil. In fact, the whole world can stop burning fossil fuels by 2050. No fossil fuels, no extra carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, no more heat. Humans are smart and we've already built technologies which can draw energy from the sun, wind and water. If every country around the world says no to fossil fuels, we can defeat the climate change monster. We live in a beautiful world. We can preserve this beautiful earth filled with wonders, a world of soaring mountains, of deep oceans, a world teeming with life and joy. It is a world that we call home. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. The Day Mum Turned Into a Monster by Jade Maitre Everything felt so ordinary on the day Mum became a monster. George and Jack came home after school. Hi boys, how was your day? asked Mum. The boys didn't reply. They dropped their school bags in the middle of the kitchen. They kicked off their shoes and socks and left them in little piles. It was a hot afternoon and it felt so good to have their bare feet on the tiles. George plopped down into a chair. Get me a scone, Mum, he said. Mum did not reply right away. Perhaps, in hindsight, her fingers gripped the kettle a little tighter, an animal instinct flaring up in her human body. Was there a moment when the inevitable mightn't have happened? When her spirit might have valiantly battled to escape her human form? Neither Jack nor George could later say. What they both agree upon is that a small and snarly growl was heard. Jack thought it was their dog Bentley until he realised that the dog was in the backyard. But then the moment passed. Mum turned and smiled at them. Have you washed your hands? she asked sweetly. Sorry, Mum, said the boys. We forgot. And who could blame them? There were a billion more important things to think about, like football cards and cricket games, and... They went to wash their hands in the kitchen sink. They splashed water everywhere. That was no problem. Mum was already standing beside them with a towel in her hand, ready to dry down the mess. It was uncanny how she was always able to tell when Jack and George would accidentally splash something or drop something. But Jack, whispered George. What was it? Jack followed his brother's eyes. Mum was still smiling, the towel in her hand, but there was something tight and strained about her smile, something menacing about the way she held the cloth, ready to wipe down the surfaces. George looked like he'd seen something dark in the tightness of her grin, in the strain of her eyes, as though an interior war waged beneath her skin. It was somehow beastly. Then Mum became herself once more. It was unnerving. George, my sweet, is there something the matter? Uh, nothing, he stammered. I didn't say anything. The boys ate their scones very quietly now. 
Mum was normal while they ate, but when Jack poured his sugar on the scone instead of using a spoon, it spilt onto the table and the floor. Something twitched. Mum looked a strange shade of teal. They ate and drank more quickly. Milk was spilt and crumbs fell onto the table. Let's get out of here, whispered Jack to George. They left their plates and cups where they were and escaped the kitchen, not bothering to pick up their school bags and tripping over their discarded socks. From the safety of their bedroom, they heard a sudden, almighty roar. Uh-oh. The wild beast flailed in the kitchen for several long minutes. Saucepans banged. Books were smashed. Jack and George peeked around the corner of the bedroom and saw their mother had grown wild feet and gnashing teeth. Her body had swelled to three times its normal size. There was hair everywhere, in clumps on the floor and trailing a path to the bathroom where a tap had been ferociously started and a vigorous squeal of scrubbing ran down the hall. It was terrifying. What's happened to Mum? Jack cried. She's become a monster. She's on a rampage. What's she done with our real mother? He looked wildly around the room. They had no weapons, only toys and toothbrushes, Lego blocks and books. George took an encyclopedia and a pencil. Jack equipped himself with a pillow. Together, they opened the door a crack and carefully, ever so carefully, peeked their heads around the corner to smack right into Dad. He was walking down the hall. He took one look at his boys and sensed the fear in their eyes. He stopped, amused. What on earth are you doing? Mum's a monster, George told him. Ah, oh, well, do you think pillows and a pencil are going to help? Dad told them what they needed to fight a monster. Mum was still rampaging in the lounge room. When they picked up their dirty socks and put them in the laundry, her size decreased. When George went and got a cloth and wiped up their mess, her teeth stopped gnashing. When they gave her a hug and said hello, she was completely back to normal. It was a fascinating magic. Jack and George never forgot how to tame the monster after that. And they needed to remember it, because one day, when they came out of the pool, Dad had turned into a monster. Oh no! The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. <laughs>